refreshing. Refresh. 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 Still no, no, still no ruling. We are awaiting the ruling from the three-judge panel. They had a noon deadline. I appreciate them waiting past the deadline so I could set the, the topic up before they issue their ruling. Welcome to the program. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. This is the three-judge panel. These are uh, Superior Court judges out of Wake County, and they are uh, they were supposed to issue their ruling on the legislative maps for Congress and for our State House and Senate races. They have not done so. The uh, defendants in the case is the General Assembly, the plaintiffs. Uh, there are a couple of them. They are uh, a bunch of left-wing groups funded by Eric Holder's national group, among others. Um, they submitted some maps. You've got the legislature that has submitted some maps and, uh, we are, well, maps for each of the, uh, Congress, the house and the Senate. And then there's also the special masters who were appointed by the three judges. The special masters are former judges themselves, Bob Orr, uh, Tom Ross, uh, also head of the UNC system formerly, and Bob Edmonds. And um, they appointed special assistants. We went over this the other day. There was the scandal about how a a couple of them, uh, uh, Wang and Jarvis, their names, uh, they had uh, communicated with experts for the plaintiffs, and that is what's known as an ex parte communication. It happened outside of the presence of the defendants, in this case, the the state lawmakers, and the state lawmakers uh, filed a motion to have those two assistants tossed, uh, one of whom is actually a pretty partisan actor. We did get an order, or a ruling, I should say, on that motion. That came down uh, about five minutes or, well, maybe about ten minutes ago now. And the the three judges, the black-robed lawyers, they took the advice of the Formerly uh, black-clad lawyers uh, that are on the special masters panel. Sorry, I'm just looking at the uh, the website here, seeing if there's any update. There isn't. Um, they said we're not going to remove them. They agreed. The special masters, the three former judges, told the three current judges, no, 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 it's fine. You don't need to kick them off. And the three current judges said, okay, we trust your assessment on that. And so they're not going to get tossed off of the case. Now, maybe that's a good sign. Maybe it's a sign that, uh, you know, you've got the judges that are going to accept the General Assembly's maps. Maybe that's what that is. And so it doesn't really matter because the special masters are not going to be needed. Maybe that's possible. I'm I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't predict outcomes on these things because I'm no good at it. And elections either. So I don't predict the outcomes of those things. 2016 taught me a lot. So there's that. Then there is uh, another order, hang on, that that they issued. um, And this one was just simply, hey, give us all of your maps. And uh, they got to be on a flash drive. And they set a deadline for uh, 5 o'clock, I think, tomorrow or something. 
anyways, they just they, they just want the record. And then there was another thing here. Hang on. Um, right. So five o'clock today, there is a deadline to appeal the trial court decision. So whatever they decide with that, that they were supposed to have decided by noon, which they have now missed that deadline. Um, either party can appeal. It is expected that the uh, that the plaintiffs, the left wing groups, they will appeal if the maps that the General Assembly drew are the ones that the judges go with. Which then opens up a uh, a pretty unique avenue. Thomas Mills wrote about it over at his blog today, uh, politicsnc.com. And I, I've had you know several interviews I've, uh, with Thomas over the years. He's a Democrat strategist. Uh, former candidate, he's managed a bunch of uh, Democratic campaigns over the years, and he started this blog up a long time ago now, I want to say over a decade ago, politicsnc.com. And he sort of games out this strategy and declares that this might, if the if the lefties win this round um, and they get maps that the courts draw, which is what they want, they want the courts to draw the maps through the special masters. That's what they want. And they think that that's going to make it better for them. And Thomas Mills is not convinced that that's the case. And I went over this briefly a couple, I guess, last week. And Mills, I think, is exactly spot on. And this is sort of the the plan B fallback if the General Assembly loses this round. So here's the strategy. He says, if I understand it correctly... If the court accepts the maps drawn by the General Assembly, then those maps will stand for the rest of the decade until the next census. And this is what I talked with Chairman Watley about and uh, House Speaker Tim Moore about, was that the General Assembly has the constitutional authority to draw these maps. It says it right there. And if the maps that we have to have after this process are drawn by the plaintiffs or the courts... That does not align with the constitutional prescription, right? And so that lets the Republican legislature come back later and draw new maps. If the court rejects these maps and implements their own, then the maps will only be used for this election cycle, 2022, and then can be redrawn for 24 and beyond. And if that's right, Democrats should hope that the maps the GOP submitted are accepted. Behind all the outrage over gerrymandering and the demand for even better maps, there is a political reality here. Short of something dramatic happening in the next nine months, and it certainly could, Democrats are about to have a very bad election year. And we have maps. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The court order has now been uh, issued and published. We can now see it. And the trial court has decided to go with the maps that were drawn by the General Assembly. And I'll I'll give you the sort of the, the, the rundown on what those maps look like. I will list every precinct in every... No, I'm kidding. Um... So I'll go over that. So that's the first part. The second part is the congressional maps. The congressional maps were not accepted. They're going with the uh, 
the special master's drawn maps for Congress. And um, that means that the legislature is going to be able to get another crack at this next election cycle. That's my understanding of it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that folks are thinking this all the way through, but we shall see. Um, So Thomas Mills at politicsnc.com. He says the left flank is continuing to define the Democratic Party in terms that are out of touch with mainstream America. I went over this the last couple of days as well. From Biden's approval numbers, COVID restrictions, inflation getting worse. Although now I understand that's all because of Russia. That's amazing. I wasn't aware. Yeah, I did not know that Russia has been uh, causing the inflation for like basically only during Biden's term. Weird. Anyway, given the political environment, there's a far greater chance that Republicans keep control of the legislature than lose it, regardless of the maps. There's also a very good chance that they win at least one of the state Supreme Court seats that are up for election this cycle. I've I've talked about this before as well. There are two judges uh, that are uh, or the seats that the judges occupy uh, that are up for election on the Supreme Court this year. Both of those seats right now are held by Democrats, one of whom is running for reelection, Sam Irvin, the fourth. The other is retiring. So it's an open seat. So even if Irvin wins re-election, and he could, he's a like he's got that name ID because his was it his great 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 grandfather was like like on the Watergate investigation or something. Anyway, um, yeah. So pe- like people out west love him, and uh, so even if he wins, that other seat is very likely to go to the Republican though, because Republicans do very well in judicial races. So. What does that mean? Well, that means that the Republicans would then control the state Supreme Court four to three. If the court rejects the maps today and enacts its own, expect Republicans to redraw districts for 2024 that give Democrats no chance of taking control of the legislature during the rest of the decade and expect them to have a court that allows those districts to stand. So cheering for new maps today might give progressives a pyrrhic victory, but it will likely give Democrats devastating political losses for another decade or more. In this scenario, Republicans could start 2031 with control of the redistricting pen yet again, drawing themselves maps that keep them in power for at least the first few years of the next decade. So a progressive win today might very well secure Republican control of the legislature for a long time to come. I'd rather take the loss. Again, this is from Thomas Mills. He's a longtime Democrat strategist, political consultant guy, and he blogs at politicsnc.com. Been doing this, uh, doing the blog for over a decade now, I believe. So this is precisely, at the congressional level at least, this is precisely now the door that has been opened so let's take a look at the uh, at the maps that the judges said could stand. The state legislative uh, drawn maps. The legislature drew maps in the House and in the Senate. So for the do, 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 for the uh, House maps, Republicans would likely be expected to win a twenty seven to twenty three majority under their proposed map. That's 
according to the analysis done by Will Duran at Charlotte Observer, um, he's actually at the New- Raleigh News and Observer up in uh, Raleigh at the McClatchy paper there. But um, this is based on the analysis off uh, using what the courts and the plaintiffs and the experts are all saying you should use, which is the statewide percentage of the votes that go to uh, Democratic governor. Roy Cooper and President Donald Trump in 2016 and 2020. And depending on which elections you're looking at, they come up with this idea that the uh, Republicans could very well carry 27 of the 50 seats, 27, 23 majority. Um, The plaintiffs, they drew a map that was a 26, 24 Republican majority. One of the other plaintiffs drew maps that were a toss up. The house maps will likely give Republicans, a 63 to 57 majority. Um, The plaintiffs had drawn maps that would have given Republicans a slightly smaller majority, 60 to 58. And then the other Harper plaintiffs, they were uh, they didn't even draw a map for that. The congressional maps that the uh, legislature drew. Was a six, four, four split. Six Republican safe seats, essentially four Democrat safe seats and four competitive seats, one of which was the 14th district, which everyone thought uh, was where Tim Moore was going to run. And that maybe that was to scare off Madison Cawthorn, send him back out west because uh, Cawthorn would have a harder time winning in a competitive district. Looking at the map, and it's kind of small on my screen, but the special master's uh, that's now the 10th. So the 11th, then the 10th, and then the 14th. And the 14th just includes part of uh, Gaston County and the southwestern down to southeastern part of Mecklenburg County. A 6-4-4 split would probably have been a better deal for Democrats. But what do I know? Just a radio host with the added benefit of... We get to do this all again next year. Yes! I know, it's like the Super Bowl for math nerds. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. What's interesting also, I'm kind of looking at uh, looking at the Twitter matrix here of the North Carolina politics hashtag, NCPOL, by the way, if you want to follow along. Um, Andy Jackson from John Locke Foundation, he notes that Charlotte has been cleaved down the middle, which is it's not really, it's, that's fake news, okay? Because it's not really down the middle. It's kind of off to the side, and it kind of swoops through on like a diagonal. But it is cleaved. Like, it's, it's cut in half. So Charlotte doesn't get its own district. Um, no district is wholly contained in Mecklenburg. But he says, I see that Senator Ben Clark got his district that he wanted, Uh, out east and uh, he points out that this map if it survives this year will last exactly one election cycle and so what thomas mills was writing about today at his blog and what we've talked about before is looking more and more like a pyrrhic victory that they yes they they win today but they're going to run now and we're all going to live with these maps I get or the, at the congressional level. I don't know who if, if the uh, plaintiffs are going to appeal. Um, that's what I'm waiting for now is just to see if they're going to try and take this thing all the way to the state Supreme Court 
and get the legislative maps tossed as well. We'll see. Um, but what this now means is that the congressional maps, because the, the special master drew them, that's from the court. So that's, I don't think that's going to be up for appeal. And I don't think even if it was appealable, then I don't even think that the plaintiffs would appeal because you're basically telling the court that the experts you used <laughs> couldn't draw the maps. So uh, it's not exactly a compelling argument, not to me at least. So I think um, I think that the congressional map is going to stand and they're calling it a, uh, they're saying this is a 7-7 congressional map. So there you go. The court used the Democratic uh, experts, the Democrat partisans to draw the maps and give us a 7-7 split. So at the national level, the fight that's going on at the national level, North Carolina is a non-entity now. We are not going to be able to help Republicans win back control of the House of Representatives, nor are we going to be able to help Democrats maintain their majority, slim majority in the House of Representatives. So it's just going to be up to states like New York and Maryland to gerrymander the bejeebus out of those states in order to preserve the Democrat majorities. That's how that that's how this game is played. I'm sorry, those are the rules, but those are the rules. Tie goes to the Democrats, always. Ties go to Democrats. It's, uh, you know, when you're a kid and you used to play baseball and you didn't have an umpire or you're playing football, you don't have a ref or something, so you, you always just say, tie goes to the runner which I know is not really a legitimate rule in real baseball. I don't care. That's how we used to play. Tie goes to the runner because it just settled a lot of the fights that would otherwise uh, derail the game. And so that's essentially what Democrats play by is any tie, any time there is uh, a doubt about a close call, they want it to go for them. It should always go for them. Otherwise, it's not fair. Meanwhile... They're playing Calvin Ball, which is also a reference to the old comic strip Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin Ball is a game that these fictional characters would play, Calvin being one of them, where you would just make up the rules as you went along. It was Calvin Ball. That's that's the other set of rules that they run by. And I, again, I'm sorry these are the rules. And I can totally understand why folks will play by the exact same Calvin Ball rules now on the other side. That's how that's going to look. So I would prefer that not to be the case, but this is the reality we are in. All right, I'll uh, keep I'll keep monitoring that and maybe get some analysis. I'm, I'm not going to read through all of the, uh, the, uh, the district lines at this point because it just would make very bad radio. So let me get to the uh, Charlotte-Mecklenburg school board meeting, which I watched, well, almost all of it. Almost all of it last night. So you didn't have to. So the big deal was that the Charlotte Mecklenburg School District announced that they're going to end the mask mandate. But don't you take that mask off yet. Hang on. Not yet. Not yet. Not today and not tomorrow. Not this weekend. Not Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. No, it's actually going to be March 7th. That's when the science and data say that it is now safe to take the masks off. Don't know why it's so much safer on the 7th and the 6th. 
but this, this is what the experts say. No, they say they need time. We need time to take the mask off. It takes, it takes like, like nine days to take that mask off. I mean, that's just to prepare to take the mask off, to get mentally prepared to take the mask off, which is weird to me because like, I take the mask off like generally before I even sit down at the restaurant. I know I'm tempting COVID, but we all know COVID only exists when you stand up. COVID does not exist at the table level, okay? Which is weird because the kids, they're usually pretty short, I have noticed. Children, they're pretty short, which would put them right about table level. So it tells me, obviously, that COVID knows it's not the height, maybe. It's the, the act of sitting. That's the deal. See, so if you sit, then you can't get COVID. But that doesn't explain why the kids are all masked up sitting in the classroom either. I'll figure this out. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Charlotte Mecklenburg School is going to end the mask mandate, but not quite yet. We need, sorry, I think I said earlier nine days. It's actually much longer than that. It's the nine-day difference between when the county mandate drops, which is the 26th, right? And so three days from now. So what is that? Uh, Thursday, Friday. So Saturday. So enjoy your weekend maskless go kill a bunch of people and uh, that's just a joke i'm not trying i'm not inciting anything i'm not an insurrectionist um the nine day difference is between when the county mandate ends and the cms mandate ends because i guess they want everybody in the county to be able to like you know cruise past the schools like maskless and rub it in the kids faces haha we're maskless you gotta wear masks you know The Charlotte-Mecklenburg School Board unanimously lifted the district's mask mandate Tuesday, keeping in line with state and local COVID-19 mask recommendations. The change will go into effect March 7th. Masks will still be required on buses per federal regulations, or if uh, Joe Biden's approval numbers get any lower, he may just get rid of that too. Um, Superintendent Ernest Winston said he heard from principals, teachers, and students on the decision of lifting the mandate and uh, the reaction... To making them optional was mixed. Regardless, he recommended moving all of CMS facilities to mask optional. Charlotte Observer's Anna Maria Della Costa reporting that the decision comes on the heels of a trio of major mask changes within just the last week. The Mecklenburg County Board of Commissioners, they voted on Wednesday to lift the county's mask mandate, but only after the 26th. Got to get people prepared for it. Like, I don't understand. It's literally just like pull one loop off the ear and then it just, it comes right off. It's so simple. Uh, So you got that. The second was Roy Cooper encouraging municipalities and school boards to end their mask mandates. It's okay. It's okay. The water's fine. That was Roy Cooper's message last week. And uh, then you had the state lawmakers approve a bill, the Free the Smiles Act, that would allow parents to decide whether their kids wear masks in school rather than keep it as a school board decision. So they were about to have the um, power taken from them to mask up the kids. Now school boards, under the current law, they have to vote every month to renew the mask policy. And that would go away under the Free the Smiles Act because now it's not up to the school board. I did see one interesting hypothesis about this which was maybe the march 7th deadline 
maybe that is timed around Cooper's veto. Here's why. Cooper knows, and the Democrats know, because remember, the, the, the bill passed uh, with Democrat votes. I believe it was uh, a veto-proof majority, if memory serves. So uh, Cooper's in a tough spot on this because he knows that the masking of the kids is not a popular thing anymore. I know public sentiment has shifted, but it has shifted away from Democrats. So they got to move on this. We've gone over this, at, you know, all the different COVID policies. I've been talking about this for the last few days, all culminating in this bill that now sits on his desk. And he hasn't said, I think he has until Sunday and uh, if he doesn't do anything, then it becomes law without his signature. And maybe that's, you know, the way he goes on this. But here's the deal. If you've got school boards that are dropping the mask mandate, it allows Democrats to flip their votes and support his veto. So Cooper could veto, make the argument that, look, I've told everybody to drop their mask mandates. This is not needed. This bill is not needed. We shouldn't be telling school districts what to do and lo- local control and blah, blah, blah. So he, he gets to make that argument, uh, but that then jams up his fellow Democrats who know they need him as strong as possible in order to get anything done or block anything that the Republicans are trying to do. They need him to be as strong as possible, and if you start getting defections, he goes lame duck very quickly. So the way you support him is... You flip your vote, as they have done before. Democrats have done this before in the Senate, particularly. They will vote for a bill. It goes to the governor's desk. He vetoes it. They then flip their vote to say, I'm going to vote for my Democrat governor. I'm going to support his veto. Even though I supported the legislation initially, I'm going to back his veto. And so then the bill does not pass. the, The veto does not get overridden. And that's what we could be seeing happening right now with the Free the Smiles Act. That you got the Democrats' support, but if enough school districts drop their mandates, then the bill becomes unnecessary. Cooper vetoes it. Democrats then have cover to flip their vote and back his veto. And it protects the school districts from the blowback. And then everybody gets their way. That's theoretically how it's a win-win, except, for, of course, for the Republicans who have been trying to. I mean, they, they will get a win, too, as well. I mean, in the fact that they can, you know, beat up Democrats for flipping their votes. They can beat up Democrats for, uh, uh, for you know, keeping kids masked in perpetuity. So, I don't know. There, there may be something to the timing on it. I don't know. That's just one of the game strategies that I saw uh, that, that could potentially explain why on God's green earth you would wait till the 7th to do this. There, really... And, and I've also seen some of the social media posts from teachers who are saying uh, that they're going to rearrange their classrooms and stick all of the maskless kids in the back of the class so they don't have to, you know, be breathed on by the COVID rats. Yeah. They're public servants, people. Uh, as of... <laughs> it's not an indictment on all teachers. Hashtag not all teachers. Meanwhile, state legislators approved their bill and state officials are encouraging schools to switch to mask optional rules beginning March 7th. So this is they sent out the notice. They told everybody March 7th. Keep that in mind when you hear uh, I forget which school board member it was. I think it was it was either it was either De La Hara or Sawyer 
Yeah, oh yeah, it was Carol Sawyer who made this absurd argument that, hey, you know, we didn't know which way everybody was going to be going on all of this stuff until, you know, everybody just changed and all this. Like, that is not, that is not believable. The the county health director has been talking to people for for the better part of like two weeks about this. Okay? So this did not come out of the blue. Kind of like this news update. It's up next. Stick around. Thank <laughs> you.